0: Uh, so my middle son and I, Cole, we got an invitation to do something pretty, pretty unique and pretty special. This was a couple years ago. Uh, we had somebody reach out and invite us to go to a UGA basketball game. Um, if you know me, you know I'm not like a huge UGA fan, but I'm like, ah, it's a basketball game. My kids never gone to a college game before, so sure, that will be fun. It'll be a great experience. We get to spend some time together, and we're gonna go to a basketball game. So we told him, yeah, we'll take you up on the invite. And so we drive to Athens. Uh, we've got our tickets. He sent us the tickets, and we just have a great time walking around, seeing the Coliseum, seeing the area. And then I keep looking for where these seats are gonna be. And you know, like you're looking at your ticket and I'm looking at the sections and I'm like, uh, like literally we're doing laps around the basketball stadium. Like Cole, Cole I cannot find where our seats are. Uh, maybe there is a mistake. Maybe it's standing room only. I don't know what the deal is. So I finally went up. I have no problem asking for help. So I went up to somebody. It's like, hey, we're looking for these, these seats. I can't seem to find them. We've like done like four laps and I don't know where they're at. He says, uh, oh yeah, come with me. So then we start following this guy down to the section, and you know the section where there's the guys that stand like this? He comes up, says something to that guy, and then we walk through them. I'm like, stay close, Cole, I don't know where we're supposed to be going. So we keep walking down, and then we get to the next guy that stands like this. The guy tells him something else, and then we start going through that guy as well. I was like, Oh, this is, uh, we've never done this before. This is awesome. So we keep going all the way down and he leads us all the way to where we're standing on the basketball court. And he says, there's your seat, sir. And I was like, are you kidding me right now? So literally we got over and we're sitting in these seats literally on the floor, had no idea they were gonna be right there. I mean, when the referee would walk by, the referee's like standing, Cole's like, Dad, I need to scoot over. Like The referee is standing right there. We're literally seated right on the floor. It was such a, even if it was Georgia basketball, it was such a great experience. (laughs) We had such a good time. It was such a unique opportunity. Once in a lifetime, it'll probably never happen again, but it was such a cool invitation to be part of something that unique, that special, and that memorable. I share that because we've been invited into something so much more special, so much more unique when God has called you, right? Do you know that, that you have been called by God? Some of you are like, no, no, I've never heard God's voice. I've never had that feeling. I don't know what you're talking about. I've never been called. No, you have. You have been given an invitation from God to join him in his plan and his purposes. And in that invitation, he's also given you opportunities and he's given you responsibilities. He's given you gifts and talents and abilities and relationships. He's giving you all these opportunities that play into his plan and purpose for your life. You have been called by God. You have been, vi- been invited into something extremely special and extremely unique in his kingdom. If you don't believe me, let me show you. Ephesians chapter four. If you've got your Bible, turn there, and uh, we're gonna bounce around just a little bit prior to. Ephesians chapter four, uh, starting in verse uh, one here. Paul writes this, he says, therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, so that gives you a little context of what's going on in Paul's life. He's in prison writing to the Ephesians. Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your, what? Lead a life worthy of your calling. So you've been called, but lead a life that's worthy of your calling. Look, for you have been called by God. You have been, not when you are called by God, not if you get that invitation. Listen, church, you have been called. You have been called by God. He has invited you into something special and unique in his plan and purposes, and you get to be part of that. We all get to be part of that. Now, let me give you a little like background lesson here on on some of these words, right? I love talking through the Greek words with you. So here, the word call or calling is kaleo. Say it with me. It's an easy word, kaleo. So that's the word call or calling, kaleo. And it literally means to be invited in, right? It's not a call and ask. It's an invitation in. So understand that distinction there. And that word kaleo is actually used all over the New Testament, you don't always see it as call or calling, but that word kaleo gets added to a lot of other words that create a new word. For example, one of those words you see quite a bit throughout the New Testament is ekklesia. Anybody know what that word means? Church, Ecclesia, we translate it as church. Ecclesia is two words, ek and then kaleo. You put them together and you get ecclesia. So literally, check this out. Literally, this is what church means. Ek is out. What do we say kaleo means? Called, church, we are literally the called out ones. That's what we are. We are a group of people that are called out. We are called out from our lives to live a new life. We are called out from what we think is best to what he knows is best. We are called out from all the things of this world and we are called into his plan, his purpose for building his kingdom. That's who we are. You are called, you have been called out, you have been invited in to his plan, and his purposes. You have been called. Now real quick, when we're talking about calling, I'm not talking about job, I'm not talking about career, I'm not talking about profession, I'm not talking about those things that you spend your life doing necessarily. Calling has so much more to do with who you are, who God has called you to be, and then where he calls you to go. And then eventually, yes, what he calls you to do, but it begins with you. Begins with who you are and who God is calling you to be. So we're gonna look at a story in the Old Testament where there's a story of a man that was called. If you got your Bibles, we're gonna be here most of the rest of our morning. Uh, 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings chapter 19, we get the story of Elijah and Elisha. They are two different people. Don't get them confused. Elijah was a prophet. And part of what he was gonna do was go and call Elisha. So Elisha is gonna have the same kind of tension that you and I are gonna have. Elisha's gonna be invited to something, invited into something, he's gonna be called, and then he's gonna have a decision. Am I gonna be all in with his calling, or am I gonna keep doing what I've always done? We have that same exact tension. God has called us, he has invited us in to his kingdom for his purpose and his plans. Do we jump all in, or do we hold on to what we've been doing. So here's the story. We'll talk through it, and hopefully it is helpful for you and where God is leading you. 1 Kings 19, starting in verse 19. So Elijah, the prophet, went and found Elisha, son of Shaphat, plowing a field. There were 12 teams of oxen in the field, and Elisha was plowing with the 12th team. Elijah went over to him and threw his cloak across his shoulders and then walked away. Kind of an interesting scene. Elijah... Goes and finds Elisha. Now, let's talk through some specifics of this story so you see the, 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 the intentionality here. We're told that Elijah went and found Elisha, but that word found doesn't mean like, oh man, totally ran into you, I've got an idea. It wasn't an accident, it was extremely intentional. This word found means to go and attain So he's looking for someone specific, and then he finds Elisha. We know that it's intentional. If you go back, same chapter, 1 Kings 19, go to verse 16, we're told that God told Elijah, go and find Elisha. Go and anoint him, go call him, go invite him in. So God has told that to Elijah, and so now he's following God's will, right? So it's not an accident, which for us is super important. You being called is not an accident. You being called is not just right place, right time. You being called is intentional, where God, the creator of the universe, looked at you and said, I have a purpose for you, I have a plan for you, and I'm inviting you into something special and unique in my kingdom. It's not an accident. He didn't stumble across you. He created you with intentionality and has given you purpose in this invitation, in this calling. So it's not an accident, it is intentional. When Elijah found Elisha, what was he doing? He was what? He was plowing, he was working. I love that. It wasn't like Elisha was just sitting on the chair like just waiting for something to happen, right? I think sometimes, not all the time, but I think sometimes when we don't know what to do, when we don't know what we're supposed to do, when we don't know, when there's uncertainty, I feel like at times we just sit back and wait for things to come together. We just sit back and wait for things to magically happen. We just sit and wait for somebody else to take the initiative. And what I love about Elisha's story, his call, his invitation, is he was working and working hard when he was called. And oftentimes I think we can just sit and wait on God. And yes, there's a whole great message on how we wait for God, but it's more active waiting, not passive waiting. It's like, God, I'm gonna keep moving in your direction and you lead me, right? That's what we see from Elisha. He was working and then he was called to something else. So if that's you, if you found yourself like, man, like, I wanna follow God, but I don't exactly know what that looks like, or I'm trying to take nebstacks, but I don't know what they are, can I just tell you something? Do something! Like, just start doing something. Do the right things, right? This isn't like sin and not sin. This is like, yes, do the things that God calls us to do, even if you're like, well, I don't know if this is it. So again, I told you we're talking about serving a lot. Well, I don't really know like where I'm supposed to serve or what I'm supposed to do. Like, I know what I kinda like, and I don't know some of these, I don't know. Just pick something! You don't have to do that for the rest of your life. Did you know, like in a church context, you're allowed to serve and say, I don't like doing that. Can I do something else? Did you know you're allowed to do that? You're allowed to do that. You can go out in our community. There's a lot of great ways to serve in our community. I'm part of the Rotary Club, and that's one of the things we do, is we serve in our community and you find ways to serve. So if you need help serving, dude, go look. Go find something, there's ways to serve, just start. And here's what I think will will happen. I think God will begin to call you and move you, but it's gonna be like a river flowing. It's gonna be like, I think he's moving me over here, I think he's calling me to do this. Oh, I I got this opportunity, And, and you're gonna see God moving, you're gonna see God work, but you need to start. When Elisha was called, he was not sitting on the couch waiting for something to happen, he was out in the fields working, and God called him to something else. Then we see this really weird part where Elijah comes out, like imagine this scene. Here's Elisha like sweaty, working hard, plowing the fields, Elijah walks by, by, takes his cloak off, puts it on his shoulders and then keeps walking. Did Did you catch that scene when you read that? It's super weird, super awkward. Here Elisha is plowing the fields and working hard and random guy walks by, you put something on your shoulders and then keeps going. Like, what just happened here? Now, for us, we don't quite understand that. Elisha would have had a better understanding. First of all, Elijah would have been well-known as a prophet. Like, those names spread, right? So he would have had an idea that who he probably was. The idea of placing a cloak, or some translations would say, like, a mantle on his shoulders. Elisha would have understood, here he is plowing his field, and this man's asking me to go where he goes, right? It's almost a symbol of adoption, right, and and this time period when you would lay clothing or a cloak on someone, you're saying, come and not just follow me, come and like be with me. I'm gonna be like a father to you. I'm gonna take you under my wing. I'm going to raise you up like you are my own child. Like that's the vibe that's happening here. So as Elisha is holding onto the plows and he's plowing through, he gets this cloak on his shoulders and he understands what this probably means. But notice what Elisha has to do here. If he's plowing the fields and he's holding on tight and he's working hard and this garment is placed on my shoulders, where do my hands have to move to? Talk with with me, where do they have to move to? They have to go off the plow, don't they? Right. So physically, it's not just a symbol as a metaphor, but also physically, Elisha's going to have to let go of his livelihood and take hold of a new life. That's what Elijah is trying to help Elisha understand about this invitation. Here you are leading your life. Here you are plowing your fields. Here you are making your living. The best that you know how. But here's a new invitation. And in order to take on that invitation, in order to walk where Elijah is going, it's gonna require him to let go of what he's known so he can take hold of this new calling. Church, we have that same Same invitation, where Jesus says, instead of giving us a cloak, he says, pick up your cross. Luke chapter nine, Jesus says, anyone who wants to follow me, deny themselves, pick up their cross daily, and then follow me. And in order to pick up that cross, we have to let go of what we're holding tightly onto. That invitation and that call to follow him, to follow Christ, is to let go of our lives and to take hold of the new life that he's given us, the new purpose he's given us, the new calling he's given us, because it's part of his purpose and his plans for us in his kingdom. That's a big decision. Like we read through this story and it's only a few verses, but can you imagine what's going through Elisha's mind when he's holding tightly to that plow? Like do I let go or do I not? Do I follow him or do I not? Think of all the things that Elisha does not know. Well, where's exactly he gonna go? He just kept walking. Like, where are we supposed to go? What am I supposed to do? I don't know the first thing about following him and being a prophet and what prophets do. Like, what do they do Monday through Saturday? Like, they only work on Sundays. Like, what, what's the whole point? Like, what am I supposed to be doing? How is this gonna work out? What, all of the what if questions start to come out and he's thinking through that in a moment. And in that moment, he lets go of his plow, takes hold of the garment and then he's going to, as we're gonna see, he's gonna run towards Elisha. That's what happens, or Elijah, that's what happens next. Verse 20, Elisha left the oxen. I love that's one of the first things that we're told. Because that's what you do when you're invited to something, right? If you're invited, you have to leave to go and follow. You have to leave. So every single one of us starts to be has to begin to answer that question. If I am gonna say yes to God's invitation on in my life, I'm gonna have to leave some things. I'm gonna have to walk away from something so that I can pursue the calling he's put on my life. So Elisha left the oxen, left him standing there, ran after Elijah and said to him, first let me go and kiss my father and mother goodbye and then I will go with you. Elijah replied, go on back, but think about what I have done to you. In other words, like don't take this lightly. Sure, go ahead and say goodbye, but understand this is not just a job change. This is a life change, and make sure you understand that. Verse 21, so Elisha returned to his oxen and slaughtered them. He used the wood for the plow to build a fire to roast their flesh, kind of a little graphic, but okay. He passed around the meat to the townspeople and they all ate. Real quick, let me just tell you what he's doing. He's doing two things in that moment. He's first of all, you know the phrase like burn the ships? He's literally doing that. He's burning what he was holding on to, and there's nothing to go back to. He cannot go with Elijah for a few weeks and say, man, this whole like follow you thing is not working out. I'm gonna go plow again. Oh, that's right. I burned my plow and got rid of all of my oxen. I, I don't have that option anymore. He literally is saying, I'm following, I'm accepting this call, I'm accepting this invitation and I'm not going to turn back. There is no turning back. He also makes it public, right? He feeds all the townspeople. It's almost like you almost get this sense or this feel that it's almost a celebration, like a send-off of here's what I'm doing. I've gotten rid of everything. We're gonna celebrate because guys, I'm not coming back to this old life. I'm moving forward into a new life. I've answered this call. I've been given this invitation and my answer is yes. No turning back and I want everybody to know. So it's no turning back. It's also public. Make sure that people know. He wants to make sure that other people know the decision he's made. And then this last part. Then he went with Elijah as his assistant. Very last part of that that story. He went with Elijah to be his assistant. As I read through this story, it feels so anticlimactic. Here's this man that was given a very unique and special call, an invitation that would radically change his life. He burns everything, tells everybody he's, he's making a change in his life, no turning back, and he became Elijah's assistant like going from farmer to assistant, like I would have expected like a promotion, like profit to be or profit in training, maybe even like apprentice, like something that gives a little bit more like, yeah, that was worth it. No, Elisha went to be Elijah's assistant before Elisha became a prophet. Before he went on, if you keep reading through the story of Elisha, you will see Elisha will be used by God to do some pretty amazing things. I mean, Elisha will do miracles. Elisha will even raise a boy from the dead. Elisha will be used by God in wonderful, miraculous, and powerful ways, but not yet. Elisha's true call was not to be a prophet. Elisha's true call was to be a servant. He was called, he was invited to be a servant, to be an assistant, to be a follower first. Before he did anything grand, he was a follower of Elijah, a servant of Elijah, the assistant of Elijah. So often we want this invitation, we want this call to feel grand, to feel big, to feel important, but can you serve? Can you follow Jesus and serve him? Can you follow him first? Because that's really the invitation. That's really the call. Again, if we were to go back in, in Ephesians chapter four and you keep reading through, it's, again, it's not a call of like all these things you're going to do. It's a call of who you are called to be. And Elisha is called to be a servant, just like you and I are called to follow Jesus and serve him and serve the people around us. We are called to that, every single one of us. Again, don't worry about professions and careers and talents and abilities, like no, we are all in the same, we've all been given the same invitation. We are called to follow Jesus and become more like him, period, that's it, that's the invitation. That's the call. As the church, we are the called out ones. We are called out to follow Jesus and to just become more and more like him. As kids, they are called to follow Jesus and become more and more like Christ. As you get into your teenage years, you are still called to follow Jesus and become more and more like him. Into your adulthood, follow Jesus and become more and more like him. We are called to that. And Elisha shows us where that calling begins, with following becoming more and more like the one we're following. So what does it look like to become more and more like Christ? What does it mean to, to not just follow him, but to become more like him? Because if we're truly following him and following in his footsteps, we are gonna do what he does. We're gonna think like he does the best that we can. We're gonna act like he does to the best of our ability. We are gonna live our lives every day like, I wanna keep walking like Jesus. I wanna keep following in his footsteps. How would Jesus respond to this? What would Jesus, I'm not gonna say it. You know what I almost said there, don't you? I wanna follow in Jesus' footsteps and I wanna be more and more like him. Matthew chapter 20 gives us a great insight from Jesus' words himself and what it looks like to become more and more like him. Verse 28 out of Matthew 20, Jesus said, for even the son of man, talking about himself, for even the son of man came not to be served, but what, to what? To serve, to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus came to serve us and to give his life for us. So if we really wanna follow in Jesus's footsteps, that's what it's gonna look like. If we really wanna be more and more like Christ, that's what it's gonna look like. We are most like Christ when we serve. Most like Christ, from Jesus's mouth, (laughs) this is why I came, to serve, to give my life as a ransom so that you could be given life, so that you would have this invitation and this calling to follow me, he would say. Come and follow me, leave it all behind, follow in my footsteps and serve the people around you. Now, let me make sure I'm very clear here. What Jesus is talking about in regards to serving, he's not talking about serving on a Sunday morning. Let's be very clear. Again, the goal of the next this next series is not just to get you to serve in church. It's to get you to answer this call where Jesus says, come and follow me and let me teach you what it looks like to serve in your context, around the people that God has placed in your life, in your environments where he's put you, to make the most of those opportunities and and to use your influence to serve others. Yes, church is part of that, but by no means is that all of it. We should be servants no matter where we go. Again, calling, like I said, is not just what we do, it's who we are. So truly, we are followers that serve others. We are the called out ones. That's who we're called to be. And eventually, yes, that's what we're called to do, but let it start with who you are called to be. I get asked this a a good amount uh, from different people and different uh, just across the table conversations or as I meet other people. In some way, the question comes up, so how'd you become a pastor? Like, why? how'd you you get into like what you do and like church planting and all that kind of stuff? And uh, so I have to tell them the story, and so I'll go ahead and tell you the story. Um, Here's my calling, here was my invitation. It might not be what you think. Uh, When I was in high school, I went to a a, uh, Christian event, And at this event, there was a guy that was preaching a story out of Luke chapter five. And in Luke chapter five, there's a story, one of my favorites, if you're with me long enough, I preach it every single year because of the impact it's had on me. In Luke chapter five, there's a story about Jesus coming into town and everybody wanted to hear from Jesus. They wanted to see this miracle worker, this, this priest and rabbi that wasn't matching up to everything that they thought or knew. So people came from all over to see Jesus. And Jesus is in this house and there's this massive crowd that comes in and totally just jams in this house and people spill out on the outside because everybody wanted to get a glimpse and just hear a little bit from Jesus. Or there's these, these friends that get together and they wanna go see Jesus, but they decide to take somebody with them. So there's this man who's been paralyzed that obviously needs a miracle worker. Obviously he needs Jesus. So these friends get together, they pick up this man and they carry him to where Jesus is at. And when they get to the house, scripture tells us, the story unfolds, that they tried to get this man to see Jesus, but they could not because of the crowds. There was too many people. That should break our hearts, that somebody who needs Jesus couldn't get to Jesus because there was other people that wanted to see him. At that point, maybe we would think the friends would say, man, we gave it, we gave it our best, we tried our best, we, we got you here, but we just can't get in. But I love this story because these friends did not quit. They did not stop. They said, we are getting this man who needs Jesus to Jesus no matter what. So they climb up on the roof of this house where Jesus is at, and they put a hole in the roof. And then they lower this paralyzed man through the hole in the roof until scripture tells us that this man was at the feet of Jesus. And in that moment, we're told that Jesus looked at the friends and he looked down at this man and he said, because, he looked at this man that needed him and said, because of their faith, your sins are forgiven. And friends, in that moment, I knew what it meant to be a Christian. It wasn't showing up to things. It wasn't even the things that we do. It was the faith that we have in following Christ and the importance of bringing other people with us to him. As a high school student, I was not called to be a preacher or a pastor or a church planter. I was called to follow Jesus and become more like him. That same calling is what you have. To follow Jesus and to become more and more like him. To be like those friends that said, we wanna get to Jesus, but we're gonna bring somebody else with us. Because we know what happens when you meet Jesus. We know what changes when you meet Jesus. We know the invitation he gives you when you stand in front of Jesus. So in that moment, as a high school student, I said, that's what it means to follow Jesus and to become more and more like him. It looks like those friends. So as a high school student, I began to ask those questions. God, where do you want to lead me? If I'm following you, I should ask you where you want to lead me. If I'm supposed to become more and more like you, I should ask like, what do you want me to do? Like, how do you want me to love others? How do you want me to serve others? And through the course of my life from that moment on, not perfect by any means, we stumble in the right direction. That's why we say that. But it was just opportunity after opportunity to serve in a different way, to serve where you are. So I've served as a maintenance guy at a golf course. I've served as the midnight unload guy at Target. I've served at Starbucks as a barista. I've served as a volunteer with Young Life. And as God continued to move me while I served and worked, had an opportunity to be an intern at a church as a middle school pastor. And over time that turned into serving in the student ministry as a full-time employee of a church that I'd never done before that turned into another call and an invitation to move my family from California to Georgia to plant a church in a town called Dawsonville and to serve. I am not called to be a pastor. I'm not called to preach. I'm called to follow Jesus and become more and more like him. And I would ask, as Paul said, remember he said, I beg you, I'm gonna do the exact same thing. I would beg you to live a life worthy of your calling. That does not mean to live a life that's perfect. It means to live a life of following Jesus and serving people, to serve like Jesus served, selflessly, fully, all in. And that calling never changes, no matter what your job title is, what profession, what career. We are invited into something so special and unique, to follow him and to become more like him. And when you say yes to that calling, when you say yes to that invitation, just like Cole and I got, you get a front row seat to him move, to him do miracles, to him impacting and changing lives, to him using you in ways that you never would have thought or imagined. But you gotta say yes. when we got that phone call, hey, do you want tickets to the UGA game? I could say, man, I'm really busy. I got a lot going on. Like, what time is the game? Oh my goodness, 7.30. How long does it take to get there? My bedtime's like eight. Like, there's there's a lot of reasons that I'm gonna, I should say no to this. I'm so glad I said yes. My son is so glad I said yes. There's a lot of reasons to say God not right now. Elisha had a lot of reasons. Elijah not right now. But he said yes what would it look like for you to say yes? Let me leave you with this passage also from Paul out of 2 Timothy chapter nine. We're told for God saved us and there's the word called us. Say it with me, say called us, called us. For God saved us and called us, here it is again, to live a holy life, meaning we are called out to follow him and to become more and more like him. He did this not because we deserved it. You're not that good. I'm not that good. There's nothing we did to deserve this invitation and this saving, this salvation, no. But it's because that was his plan from before the beginning of time to show us his grace through Christ Jesus. So you get to, when you say yes to this invitation, not only are you following Jesus, becoming more like him, you get to walk around in the grace of Jesus Christ. That's a fun way to live. That's a life, not based on you and me and our ups and downs and our good and bad and our jobs and careers. That's a life based on that calling, that invitation. Follow Jesus and just become more and more like him. You wake up every day with that same calling. Jesus, where do you wanna lead me today? Jesus, where do you wanna take me today? Jesus, how do you want me to serve your people today? Like, Who do you wanna put in my path? Like, That's a fun way to wake up. Your job will no longer be boring, I promise you. You might have the most mundane job, but we all think that at times, don't we? And you wake up, it's like, God, who are you gonna bring into my office today? God, who are you gonna have me meet at the store today? God, how do you want me to use my influence and my responsibilities and my opportunities today? Because I'm gonna follow you. What might you have for me today? What a great way to live out that calling, to serve, to be an assistant to the Lord Almighty, to follow him and become more and more like him. If you'll close your eyes with me, I wanna pray. And as I pray, specifically, I wanna pray over you and for you because you are called, but you have to say yes. Jesus, we come before you and we thank you so much for the calling you've placed on our lives. And that calling is not some specific task or job. It's not just a career. It it is what we do with who we are. We are called to be followers. We are called to be more and more like you. There's a lot of reasons we would decline that invitation. I pray through your Holy Spirit, you would make us aware of the one reason to say yes, because it's you. we are lost without you, we are desperate for you. And we wanna wake up every single day answering that call. Yes, I will follow you. And I will not follow you perfectly, but thank God for your grace. And I will serve others like you've served us selflessly with all that we are. In Jesus' name, amen.